If you brought your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning. We're going to be looking at verses, first of all, 12 through 19. First Corinthians 15, 12 through 19. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but if he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not, not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Verse 18, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Let's just pause right there. We'll come back and look at verse 20 in a little bit. But verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 15 contains the phrase, and if Christ has not been raised. The New King James says, and if Christ is not risen. In other words, what difference does it really make if Jesus Christ rose from the dead or not? I mean, think about it. What a terrible, oppressive assumption that is. Now, many times in this life, that little word if makes all the difference. Let's say, for example, you get into a car accident and uh, you were texting, you know, because of all that, you were texting and you say, if only I wasn't texting, this wouldn't have happened. Teenagers, there's a test at school and you're not doing so well. And so you say, if I only studied a little harder or if I only didn't play video games last night or whatever, or someone in your immediate family passes away and you say, well, if only we had spent more time together or perhaps you needed to get something at the store and when you got there, the store was closed and you say, if only we had gotten there 10 minutes earlier, we could have got what we wanted, got what we needed. You see, that word if even though it's a very, very small word, it can also carry a very big punch. If, if only, a hopeless wish or regret. Now, those are all terrible ifs, but I think the most oppressive of all is that of our Easter text this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If Christ has not been raised, if Christ is not risen... Paul uses the word if seven times in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19. Now, what if Easter is not true? What if Christ is not risen from the dead? Four friends were talking about death and the dying experience, and one of them asked the other three, when you're in your casket and people are mourning you, what would you like to hear them say about you? Well, the first man says, well... I'd like to hear them say that I was a fine physician in my time, that I was a great family man. All right. The second fellow said, I'd like to hear that I was a wonderful husband and a school teacher who made a huge difference in the children of our tomorrow. Also, very admirable. The third man replied, I'd like to hear them say, look, he's moving. 
Well, I think most of us want to identify with that last guy, but there's something even better that I would like someone to say if I were lying in my casket. They are the words that Jesus spoke to Martha after her brother Lazarus had died. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear that there is life after death all made possible because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet here's Paul in 1 Corinthians giving us this terrible assumption, what if? You know, what if there were no Easter? And so let's walk through this for a few minutes and talk about this. If there were no Easter, what does that matter? So first of all, if there were no Easter, then number one, Jesus would be a liar. He'd be a liar. He predicted his resurrection on several occasions. At first, he only used vague terms such as, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. But later on in his ministry, Jesus spoke quite plainly. In Matthew 16, 26, it says, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the, and on the third day be raised to life. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, Jesus says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. We also have in Matthew's Gospel, a little bit later on, Matthew 20, <clears throat> Jesus predicted we are going to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, Jesus says, he will be raised to life. Mark also records Jesus as saying, but after I have risen, Mark 14, 28, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. So Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to rise from the dead. In John chapter 10, 17 and 18, Jesus said these words, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay my life down only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority, Jesus said, to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Friends, if there is no resurrection, if Easter is not true, then Jesus was a liar. Secondly, if there is no Easter, then our preaching is in vain. Paul begins 1 Corinthians by reminding the readers in Corinth that he has given his labor and his life to simply declare the gospel. He says, I preached it to you, I declared it to you, you received it, you're saved by it, you stand on it, it's your foundation, I was persecuted because of it, I labored abundantly for it. Even in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 6, Paul says, necessity is laid upon me, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. And he also said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Jesus Christ. And then Paul also said, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, if Christ is not risen, if there is no Easter, all what Paul did was in vain. I mean, the logic could not be otherwise. If there is no Easter, then what we are doing here today, honestly, 
is a waste of our time. Save the coffee, save the orange juice, save the donuts. Just go out to the mountains, go out to the golf course, go out to in the lake or whatever. Uh, by the way, the lake was really busy yesterday out at uh, Saguaro and stuff. But, but honestly, why, why even join together today if there is no Easter? Why bother putting money in the offering plate if you know, you're just going to give to a lost cause? Why bother serving him? You're only wasting your time. You know, why tell others about the living Christ? You might as well save your breath. If Christ has not been raised, then our, my preaching is in vain as well. Number two. Number three, if there is no Easter, then our faith is in vain. Our faith is in vain. I mean, Hebrews 11 is faith's roll call of the heroes of faith. And Noah is listed there. Noah believed God, and for 120 years he, he preached God's judgment all the while building an ark. But if there is no resurrection, if there is no Easter, then Noah, you're just a stubborn fanatic. How about Abraham? At God's command, he left home and friends and such to a place that God called the promised land. He, he believed God and started walking not knowing where he was going, but Abraham was nothing more than the world's biggest transient if there is no Easter, because your faith, sir, is in vain as well. well how about Moses? Moses believed God had a purpose for Israel. Moses cho uh, uh, chose to suffer uh, the, the, the oppression and whatever was going on. And, and, and instead of enjoying the, the, the pleasures of sin for a season, he chose to, to be, you know, believe, believe God. Believe God. And, and, and the Bible says he believed God. He believed him who, who by faith saw him was, who was invisible. I mean, all that was in vain if Moses... If Moses, you know, a man of faith, uh, was there on the scene, and yet there was no resurrection. All these roll call of faith heroes believed in vain. What about you this morning? If Christ is not risen, your faith is useless too. I mean, tell this to the dear believer who has trusted God for a half a century or more. Tell this to every, you know, every person who has prayed. They have their hopes, their dreams, their desires, I mean, longings. They're all for nothing if there is no resurrection. Or try to convince me, who has been saved now for 40 years as of uh, February 20, I've committed my life, called by God to preach the gospel. Uh, but my faith is in vain too, and my life, life has been wasted for the past 40 years if there is no Easter. Fourthly, if there is no Easter, then we are found false witnesses of God. Notice here, we are not mistaken witnesses, we are rather false witnesses, not deluded, but liars, not victims of our excited and overwrought senses, but really we are deceivers. Now, this, this must have stung the Apostle Paul. He was proud of his calling. He was proud of his apostleship. He was an ambassador for Christ and said we too were ambassadors uh, for Christ. But if there be no Easter, then Paul would be a false witness, and so are we. Let's see what Paul endured to be a liar and a deceiver. He was threatened at Damascus. He was stoned at Lystra, assaulted at Iconium, beaten at Philippi, mobbed at Thessalonica. In 2 Corinthians 11, he says, I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. I've been beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked, in danger from rivers, bandits, my own countrymen, from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. I've gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've gone without food. I've been cold and naked, Paul wrote. I, I understand the pressure of my concern for all the churches. All of that only at last to be proved a liar and a false witness. 
if Jesus Christ is not risen from the dead. Number four. Number five, if there is no Easter, then the believing dead are perished. Verse 18, those who died in faith thought they were going to their rest and reward. They, they thought and they longed for the day the trumpet would sound that God could call them from their sleep, but they were all wrong if there is no Easter. Honestly, if there is no Easter, then death's sting is real and the grave has become the victor. Sigmund Freud, a, the founder of psychiatry, wrote, And finally, there is the painful riddle of death, for which no remedy at all has been found, nor probably ever will be. Don't think he read the Bible very often. All right. How sad, but Sigmund Freud is right if there is no Easter. The believing dead are perished. Those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of sins, all in vain. Those who have lived all their lives for eternity, those who have gone before us, our grandparents, our parents, a sibling or whatever, you know, those that have committed their lives to Christ. But honestly, all that is useless if there is no Easter. Then the believing dead, Paul wrote, are perishing. And then finally, number six, if there is no Easter, then you are still in your sins. Wow. Romans chapter 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 6.23, the wages of sin is death. A wage is something you earn, something you deserve. You have it coming to you. Now, because all, man, all of mankind has sinned, all of mankind deserves death or eternal separation from God. I preached on this last week, talking about how we all deserve the wrath of God. See, God is a holy God and will not, will not allow sin into his heaven. And the only thing that will keep you and I out of heaven is our sin. And the only sin that God can't forgive is the sin we don't repent of. But if there is no Easter, then we are all still in our sins. Now, what if the Apostle Paul left us right there? No conclusion to the matter. No Easter. No miracle. No resurrection. Thomas Jefferson, a great man, however, could not accept the miraculous elements of God's Word, the Bible, Scripture. And so he edited his own special version of the Bible in which all references to the supernatural were deleted. Jefferson, editing the Gospels, confined himself solely to the moral teachings of Jesus Christ. The closing words of Thomas Jefferson's Bible are these. There laid they Jesus enrolled a great stone at the mouth of the sepulcher and departed. Church, thank God that's not the way the story ends. Amen. The Apostle Paul would, would, wouldn't end with verse 19 from 1 Corinthians 15, but Paul would go on and tell us the rest of the story, and that is verse 20, 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But... Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Amen. The King James Bible says, but now is Christ risen. The message paraphrased. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up. The ESV translation. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying, readers, listeners, church, Easter changes everything. Everything. I mean, Paul moves from that terrible assumption of if seven times, 
12 through 19, to the glorious fact of is in verse 20. Christ is risen. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ arose. He's living. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single most important event in human history. His resurrection from the dead is not just theology, it is history. But it moves beyond being history, for the resurrection is a person. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. If you think about it, the symbol of Christianity is really not the cross, it's the empty tomb. But we don't carry empty tombs around our neck, you know what I'm saying? The stone or whatever. See, we're not saved by Christ's death, but by his life. Why look for the living among the dead? Easter changes everything. Therefore, because Easter is true, because Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. Jesus Christ is who he said he was. He is God. Number two, our preaching is not in vain. Thirdly, our faith is precious. Fourthly, we are true witnesses. Number five, the believing dead are not perishing. And number six, we are no longer in our sins. Hallelujah. Why? Because Easter changes everything. To me, the resurrection of Jesus Christ proclaims three very important truths. Number one, the resurrection proclaims his deity. Jesus, Romans chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. You see, the empty tomb declared to their hearts and minds once and for all that Jesus Christ is who he really said he was. Therefore, our preaching is not in vain. What you're doing here today is not a waste of your time. The gospel of Jesus Christ is still the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Number two, the resurrection proclaims forgiveness of sin. And if Christ be, has not been raised, for, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 17, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins, Paul wrote. But Romans 4, 25 says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. You see, Jesus died for our sins, but was resurrected from death and the grave to justify us before a holy and a righteous God. Jesus Christ did not come to condemn, but to pardon. Amen? God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. As I shared last Sunday morning in the message, Christ's Passion, we all deserve God's judgment. We all deserve God's wrath. 
but Jesus willingly suffered the judgment and the death that we deserve. You see, what happened at the cross was not primarily about nails being thrust into Jesus' hands and feet, but about the wrath, do your sin and my sin, being thrust upon Jesus' soul. The gospel is that the just and loving creator of the universe has looked hope, uh, upon hopelessly sinful, evil people who deserve the wrath of a holy God. And so God, in his infinite love and mercy, sent his son, God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, to bear his wrath against sin on the cross and to show his power over sin in the resurrection so all who trust in him can be reconciled to God. Hallelujah. I am thankful today that Jesus Christ took care of my sin problem. Amen? He satisfied the justice, the judgment, the wrath of God for my sin. And not only for my sin, but for your sin and for the sin of the world. Jesus died so we could be rescued from the just and mighty wrath of God. As I said last week, and I'll say it again today, I am glad today that God's mercy triumphs over God's judgment. Amen? The substitutionary death of Christ on the cross perfectly met the requirement of a just and holy God who will bring every sin into judgment. Questions asked then, well, how can I know that the death of Jesus Christ took care of my sin problem which separates my soul from God? The answer is very simple. The answer is the resurrection. The resurrection. Once again, Easter changes everything. We are not saved by his death, but by his life. And today he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. Amen. As Don Francisco wrote and Scott sang so wonderfully this morning, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive when I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. Amen. Thirdly, the resurrection proclaims, and I love this point, Victory over death, hell, and the grave. The Bible calls death an enemy, and it is. George Bernard Shaw wrote, The statistics on death are quite impressive. One out of every one people die. Aren't you glad you came to church to realize that? But it's true. Job asked in Job 14, 14, If a man die, shall he live again? And the centuries rolled by, without an authentic answer to that question. It remained for Jesus Christ himself to declare, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus also said, because I live, ye shall live also. Also when the risen Christ appeared to John, in transfigured glory while John was on that devil's island called Patmos as John was going to receive the, the, the revelation of, of, of the living Christ, our last book in our Bible. And Jesus appeared to John and says to John, I am the living one. Present tense. I was dead. Past tense. I was dead. And behold, Jesus says, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Revelation 1.18. Hallelujah, friends. The resurrection proclaims victory over death, hell, and the grave. Glory to God. He now is our resurrected living Savior. He holds the keys. 
That old bachelor in Rome doesn't hold the keys. Jesus holds the keys. That's why, honestly, the, those who have prepared to face, them, to face God one day can look at death and dying without fear because they know that death is not the end but only a beginning and eternity with our King of kings and our Lord of lords. They know that their Redeemer lives. In the end, they're going to see God. They know that Jesus Christ has conquered death and hell and the grave and that today He is their living Savior. Honestly, that's why they placed Him in a borrowed tomb because he wasn't going to stay there. Amen. He entered death. He destroyed the power of the devil in order that he might deliver us from the fear of death and dying. So I say, yeah, Easter really does change everything. The resurrection changes the meaning of faith. The resurrection changes the meaning of life. And it changes the meaning of death. Let me put it this way. Because of the resurrection... Faith has meaning, has significance. Life has meaning. Even death and dying has meaning. 1 Peter 1.3, For in His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, man was created to live and live forever. But then we have that sin problem that needed to be taken care of. And Jesus took care of it. Amen. The Apostle Paul noted, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. On another occasion he wrote, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And then he noted in 1 Corinthians 15, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. As the old hymn says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. All fear is gone. That's why, honestly, the Apostle Paul couldn't leave us at the grave in 1 Corinthians 12, 15, 12 through 19 and, and, and would say, if Christ has not been raised in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, but moves us on to verse 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead. You see, the resurrection is the heart of the gospel. It's the heart of, of what you and I believe and why we're here today. And Paul says... By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. For, uh, for what I received I passed on to you, 1 Corinthians 15, 3, as of first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that according to the scriptures he was raised on the third day. Once again, it's the heart of the gospel, and it changes everything. See, faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is necessary for us to go to heaven. Don't believe me? Romans chapter 10 says this in verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you'll be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, Paul writes, will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Let me challenge you this morning. Don't just celebrate the resurrection how about experiencing the resurrection and the life? Experience Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, Christ doesn't want to be accepted or invited into your heart, but rather he wants total surrender of every part of your life to himself. Biblically, there is no believing without following. There is no salvation without surrender. No forgiveness without repentance and no life without death. My question for us this morning is simply this. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? You say, well, I believe in him. No, I didn't ask you that. Are you following him? Even the demons believe. And so believing, you know, just on the surface, are you following him? Have you taken up your cross, and are you a follower of Jesus Christ? In other words, are you prepared for eternity? The Bible says that God has placed eternity in our hearts. And truth be told, if this was the last sermon you ever heard, the truth is you will spend eternity either in heaven or in hell. There's no in-between. And Revelation 20:15 says, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So I think it's pretty important that we know where we're going to spend eternity. If you don't have the assurance of where you'll spend eternity, then today you need to acknowledge, you know, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I've sinned against God Almighty. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible talks about how our sin separates us from God. As I said earlier, there's only one thing that will keep you out of heaven, and that is your sin. And the only sin that God can't and won't forgive is the sin you don't repent of. Yes, the wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you, you acknowledge you're a sinner and a savior. You believe in Christ, and you believe what Christ has done for you. You believe in the cross. You believe in his resurrection. You see, God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And that's why he sent Jesus to take your place on that cross. God loves you. He's for you, not against you. The cross is a plus sign, not a minus sign. But you must repent of your sin and ask God to forgive you. See, he will change your life, but he's also wanting you and I to surrender everything to him. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on him and you'll be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Now, I know what our world says. I know what... Uh, religion says, but there's only one way to God, and that is through His Son, Jesus Christ. There are not many ways to God, just one way, and Jesus is the answer. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And so you acknowledge, you admit, you know, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe what Jesus Christ has done for me, that He died, that He, wrote, that he, that he was buried, that He rose again the third day. And then you confess your sin. That, that simply involves you repenting of your sin. 
You ask Christ to forgive you, and you surrender your life totally to him. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. See, God wants to give grace to the humble, but he also says he'll resist the proud. And so if we'll humble our hearts before God, God has a work in store for us. We can be saved, amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for a day that we can celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ, the resurrection. Thank you, Jesus, once again for dying uh, for us on that cross and for taking our place. But thank you for being resurrected from the dead. Thank you for the hope that is ours because of you. And, and I pray today, Lord, that you would come and not just challenge our hearts, but God, we pray that you would change us. Change us, oh God. I pray for those who are sitting here this morning who are right now not following you. They have never totally surrendered their lives to you. Maybe they believe in you, but they have yet to totally surrender to your will and to take up their cross and follow you. Maybe they know about you, but they don't know you. And so I pray that you would help them today, help them to acknowledge and to know that you want them to know you, you want them to have a personal love relationship with you. Father, you want them to know of your forgiveness, of your kindness that leads them to repentance, of your mercy, of your grace. And I pray, God, that they would be ready, if they would die at this moment, that they'd be ready to go to heaven and not to hell. Just look this way for a minute. If you've come this morning on this resurrection day and you need Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin and to give you the gift of eternal life, then today is your day of salvation. I can't think of a better day than to give my life to Christ on Easter Sunday. And so if you want to know him in a life-changing way you've never done this before, but you have sin in your life and your sin separates you from God, and you are acknowledging today that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, you're believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and his death, his burial, his resurrection, you're repenting of your sin, you're, you want to confess your sin, if that describes where you're at today, right where you're at, I'm going to ask you to put your hands and say, Pastor Brian, pray with me today. I want to make sure that I am going to heaven when I die. I want to make sure that my sins have been forgiven, that I'm on my way to heaven. I want to make my calling in and my election sure. Just holding it steady for a moment. God bless you. Anyone else? God speaking to your heart. Amen. Yes. Today is the day of salvation. Upon hearing the gospel and the good news of the gospel, we have to respond. You say, well, I'm just not sure about that. Be sure. All right. Be sure. Amen. Anyone else? God speaking to your heart. Today I need to get things right with God. There's sin in my life. My sin separates me from God. I want to make sure that before I leave this place that my name has been written in his book of life. Revelation 20, verse 15. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Amen. I want to ask you to stand to your feet. The Bible says, if we're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us. If we don't confess him before others, he won't confess us before his Father in heaven. It was that truth 
that woke me up 40 years ago. I was going to church, but going to hell. Do you hear me? I was going to church, but going to hell. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger or going to college makes you smart. You can go to church all you want. Even the demons believe. I had to come to a place where I was going to surrender my life and my will to embrace him and his, his, his will for me. So one last time, anyone else have not raised your hand this morning and you want to say, you know, Pastor, I need forgiveness in my life. I need to repent of my sin. I want to get right with God today. Just put your hand up. All right, for those that put your hand up, I'm going to ask you to come forward. You say, well, why are you doing that? I'm not here to embarrass you, but I also know that if we can't walk 20, 30 feet, you know, to an altar, then we're probably not going to live for him beyond these four walls. Because when Jesus called people, he called people publicly. He called people publicly. Anyone else, God's speaking to your heart. You need to be at the altar this morning. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't harden your hearts. Today, now, now is that time. And so pray with me, dear God in heaven. Pray out loud, dear God in heaven. I confess this morning that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. From this day forward, help me to live as you want me to live. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And be my very best friend. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. For those, amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. The Bible says if even one person turns to Christ, there is rejoicing in heaven. Amen? And so there's, there's rejoicing in heaven today. Thank you for being here this morning. For those who have come, if you don't have a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. Uh, start reading the Gospel of John. Uh, and, and if you have any questions you know, on that, uh, talk to myself, talk to somebody else in church here, one of our senior saints that can help you as well. But God bless you. Congratulations for those that came forward this morning. The rest of you, I just want you to have a blessed Easter. If you're spending it with family, let your light shine. Amen. Let the goodness of God flow through you. Be a light to others. But uh, we have Wednesday evening service. I'm teaching the book of Revelation on Wednesday night right here in the sanctuary. We have something for our youth, for our, our kids, nursery as well, something for all ages. But God bless you all. Remember, Easter changes everything. He will change you, and you'll be a world changer as well. God bless you all. Have a great week in the Lord. Happy, happy Resurrection Day. Amen.